Clancy Pasta presents The Man in Blue, written by As Death Beckons. I was born a second son to my parents, a chef and an editor, in the early 90s. My brother Eli was three years older than me and was who I looked up to the most. He had the single biggest influence on who I am today. Eli wasn't like a lot of other older brothers. He wasn't mean to me and we never fought. He was a quiet bookish type, always reading, building something, or else sitting alone on the porch, lost in his own mysterious mind. I wasn't the only one that Eli had an effect on. He was clearly the leader in his group of friends, despite being so solemn and younger than all of them. Teachers adored him and so did all the adults at church. You would think I would have been jealous of all the adoration that my brother got, but I promise to you, it was quite the opposite. I believed that he deserved all of it, and wondered, like everyone else, what wonderful impact he would have on the entire world one day. I was five years old the first time it happened. Eli and I had been sitting in the yard, playing with our toys, when he suddenly looked up at the sky, stood up, and announced that we should go inside. I protested, but Eli calmly repeated himself. Following my big brother's suggestion, I stood up, took his hand, and went inside. Not even five minutes later, lightning struck an old tree in our backyard. The biggest branch on the tree had been severed and it landed in the exact same spot where my brother and I had been sitting. I didn't quite comprehend what had exactly happened then, but I know now that there was absolutely no way that Eli could have possibly known that something like that would have happened. He had somehow saved both of our lives. It happened every so often after that throughout our childhood. Eli would tell me, his friends, or even our parents sometimes, about things happening before they did. He once told my father to call grandma and tell her how much he loved her. My father, perplexed, hadn't heeded Eli's advice. We got a call the following day about my grandmother passing in her sleep. On another occasion, Eli told his friend Jacob that he really wanted him to spend the night with us at our house. That very same night, Jacob's father murdered his mother before taking his own life. Eli wasn't one to use many words, but when he did, we all knew damn well we ought to listen. One thing Eli seemed to repeat often was something I'd rather not have heard at all. I'd asked him one day, when he was nine and I was six, what he wanted to be when we grew up. I was sitting on our bedroom floor, a Lego set in front of me, while Eli laid in bed, staring up at the ceiling. He had wrinkled his face up then, as though contemplating something. Then, without looking at me, he said, I won't grow up. You can imagine how confused I had been. Everyone grew up, right? Everyone would be an adult one day. Anything else didn't make any sense. What? I mean when we get big. I want to be a dinosaur when I get big. What about you? Eli was quiet for a few seconds before he turned to me, grinning. How about, uh, clown? I can make everyone laugh? Not too long after that, our pet mouse died. I remember crying my eyes out that night, but before I fell asleep, I asked Eli what mom and dad meant when they said Mickey was never coming back. Eli was blunt with me. It means he's dead, Davy. He's moved on. Just like I will, 
soon. What? You're going to be my brother forever. Yes, we will always be brothers, Davy, but I won't make it past eleven. I had glanced at our elephant clock then. It was 9.06. Of course he wasn't going to make it past eleven. I was two hours away. And so I went to sleep, and so did he. I often wonder what went through my brother's mind, being so young and yet knowing so much, including the day of his doom. When I was eight, my parents threw a party. As we were all out in the backyard, the other kids became occupied with a game of tag. Eli, however, sat alone at a table, a cup of orange juice sitting in front of him. Though I wanted to play with the other kids, I wanted to sit with my brother more. I ran over and plopped down next to him. Hey. Eli looked at me and smiled and glanced back across the yard. I'll be gone in four months, Davy. You will have to look out for yourself, okay? No, I want you to listen to me. Listen. Watch out for the man in blue. I looked around the yard. Amongst the adults were a couple of men wearing blue, though none of them caught my attention. One who did, though, was a blonde man with cruel eyes watching us. He held a red plastic cup in his hands, sipping it slowly as he surveyed us like a tiger would an antelope. But he was wearing a yellow shirt, not a blue one. No one else seemed to match Eli's description. What? When I am gone, beware of the man in blue. Mom and Dad will be very sad, but I'll be in a better place, Davy. I don't want you to be sad either, okay? You have your whole life ahead of you. Okay, I replied, though I still didn't quite know what he meant. Four months later, just as Eli had predicted, it happened. Mother had just looked away from us for a moment. I had been engrossed in my handheld gaming system, paying no attention to what was happening around me. When mom asked where my brother was, I looked around in confusion. He had been right there only seconds before. Mom started to scream, and people looked at us in concern. They combed the entire mall, but no trace of my brother was found. I was never the same after that, even after they found the man who had kidnapped and murdered Eli two weeks later. I remember being at his funeral, my suit itchy and stiff, sweat dripping down my face due to heat caused by the mass of people in the church. I wanted to cry, to lash out, to do something, but I was an eight-year-old boy. There was nothing I could do. I remember looking around the room at the people in the church. A few of the men wore blue suits. Could he have been the one that was the reason for my brother's disappearance? I couldn't even bring myself to shake the pastor's hand due to the fact that he was wearing blue. My father wasn't too happy about my rudeness, but I didn't care. My brother was gone. I will never forget the name of the man who murdered Eli, but I never actually saw him in person. When I was old enough to look him up, every picture I saw of him, he was in an orange jumpsuit. Had he been wearing blue the day he stole my brother from us? I will never know but my paranoia never faded. Now I began to wonder if Eli had actually meant that I needed to look out for the man in blue. And so I did. From my childhood to my young adult years, I was always weary, always distrustful. 
I knew better than not to heed Eli's words. If he said it, then he said it for a reason. I met Terry when I was 19. She was one of the most beautiful people I'd ever met, and less than two months after we started seeing each other, I truly believed that I had met the love of my life. I thought wrong. Two years into our relationship, she left me for another man. The one light that had been shining in my perpetual darkness had gone out. Now, I was left to face my nightmares of Eli alone. I turned to alcohol to help me get through my state of complete misery. That only made things worse. My sadness turned to anger, which turned to hate, and then to self-loathing. Nothing had ever gone right for me in this life, and nothing ever would. I knew where my roommate kept his gun, and I waited until he was out with friends before I made my move. I wrote a whole note to my mom and dad, telling them that I was sorry. I was sorry for being so depressed. I was sorry I hadn't done more in my life. I was sorry for leaving them like this. I was sorry for not being Eli. As I sat down on my bed, cocking the gun, I looked out in front of me at the body-sized mirror in my room. Eli's words suddenly came ringing back to me, echoing in the midst of my defeated mind. You have your whole life ahead of you. I was wearing a blue shirt. In that moment, I was overcome with so much emotion that I began to weep. I carefully set the gun down on the bed next to me and cried for the first time since I was eight years old. Even now, decades after his death, Eli had found a way to look out for me, his little brother. I have changed for the better since the incident. I'm not going to act like the sadness has suddenly gone away, but I don't let it hold me down anymore. I have a new girlfriend, a nice job, and I visit my parents as often as I can. I know that I should and will enjoy life to the fullest. It is what Eli wanted for me. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed tonight's story. If you did, make sure to check out more of the author's work in the episode description and go to youtube.com slash clancypasta to hear new episodes first. And if you'd like your story featured in an episode, feel free to email it to clancypastastories at gmail.com. You can always get your creepy cool merch at teespring.com slash stores slash clancypastastore. And I hope you all have a great night. Cheers. <laughs>